Stand clear. 100% wild podcast. So for all you listeners, hello and welcome to definitely not your favorite outdoor podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a special fan show edition of the 100% Wild podcast, powered by DeerCast. You continue to be Matt Drury. Can't be anyone why. else. <laughs> Nobody wants to be me. So. You know, you just pick a lane, you stay in it. That's right. You're Tim Chelswick. Again, who would want to be a Tim Chelswick? I don't know. Other than the Tim Chelswick. one and only. <clears throat> <Ugh>. <laughs> so we're very, very close to deer season right now. By the time this airs, we probably are in it, I would think. I mean, probably. Probably. <laughs> Just the math <laughs> works out that way. So you're, you're more of a, I'm going to wait for conditions to be really good, <laughs> which is yes. kind of a, a standard thing to do. <laughs> you're more of a, hey, opening day is here. I'm going to hunt. It's 90. F it. <laughs> I'm out. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. And what really sucks is when you kill. <laughs> Because yeah. then, uh, then you got the flies to worry about. I mean, honestly, even even on a cool front in the early season, you're you still got to worry warm. about it because you're mm-hmm. you're talking. It might be the difference from uh, average high in the 80s to 72 yeah. or 75, yeah. and so it's still really really warm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a goat rope trying to get everything done, and you make sure the deer is taken care of, and hope you put a good shot on them. So there's I, not, not not that element to it. I did do a little card checking this weekend, and I think I have a target buck. Ah, so good. A really Look nice eight pointer. Good deal. So we'll see. I don't know what. I mean, we got some nice deer on one of the leases, and and a decent deer on, on the other lease. But in general, everything's nocturnal. So I, I'm not mm-hmm. like jumping for joy right now. I'm what I am looking forward to early October. I got an Iowa tag. If mm. if we get a cool front at all, gonna have I, Mark go film for you. Well, I'm gonna. I don't want to hunt with Mark. I want to go to Mark's. Yes. He has invited me graciously to his place. But I've hunted enough with him back in the day. I know better. Got your fill. I think we should just keep separate. I mean, <laughs> I'll be nervous enough. I don't need to have him in my ear. Are you going to stop him? You want me to stop him? And I'm not ready. Like, I don't need that. I've seen enough of the video that they produce up there with guests. Like, I don't need that pressure. Any whitetail-induced ulcers? Yeah, yeah. Good. (laughs) All right. Well, we mentioned this is a fan show. We've got our buddy Nicholas Tanner on. Uh, He's uh, another Missouri guy. Been listening to the show for a little over a year now. Nicholas, what's up, man? What's up, Nick? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. So we should say right off the get-go here, Nicholas is not only a deer hunter, he also hunts humans. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> Whatever pays the bills, right? <laughs> so that, that's what interested uh, us the most probably in your submission was kind of your day job. So uh, before we get into the hunting talk, real quick, take us through what you do for a living. Yeah, so I'm a bail bondsman of Downey Hunter, which in turn... It's like, uh, so I go get people out of jail, and then as long as they go to the court date and everything, it's fine. But if they don't end up going to the court date, then I have to figure out where they live. And usually I have good contact tracing. Usually they put down enough information for me to uh, find them pretty easy, but sometimes it's a little tough. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Sometimes it can be fun. It's a lot of it's a lot of, a lot of time, a lot of time and effort putting this stuff. It's not really worth it because you're not getting paid to uh, – go find them it's just like if you don't find them you have to pay so it's uh so 
Okay, so if you don't find them, yeah. you have to pay, you're saying. You have to pay the court. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So basically what it is is like if I get somebody out on a $10,000 bond, they owe me 10%. So that's 1000 bucks. So I get 1000 bucks and then if they go to if they go to court, do their job, go to their court dates, get everything done, then that's the that's the end of it. But if they don't go to court, since it's a ten thousand dollar bond, I'm basically loaning. The, I'm basically giving the jail and the courts a check for ten thousand dollars. So if they don't go to court, then that that court's going to come cash their check if they if they don't have their guy in there. So I have to give the court ten grand if I don't get the people in. So you're highly motivated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty big deal. Kind of got to go get them, and you know it is what it is. But definitely don't want to pay the courts ten grand. So I mean, there's like I could ask a billion questions about this. So. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So if I, I'm sure social media has probably helped you a lot trying to track oh, people yeah. down. Absolutely. Social media. You'd be surprised what people will post on there. Like I would not. A lot of times, you, you, <laughs> a lot of times that you can go to their posts and they'll geotag their posts exactly yeah. like where they're at. Just checked so. in at Shoney's. Well, let's be real. They're in jail for a reason. They ain't the smartest. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're not. And, and usually, like, I go and look up the person before. Like, have they ran for, if they've been bonded out before, have they ran from other people before? And if they're showing a long line of not being so great of a person, then usually I pass on that bond. Yeah, not worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not at all. So, so, so tell me how, like, the tactics that you use as a whitetail hunter, are you employing any of those same tactics tracking down these folks? Yeah, sometimes. So like a lot of the times, like, like one I just went on recently, we had to uh, kind of do a stakeout on a known drug house. Stakeout. And it takes, it, it takes a lot of patience. Like you have to, sometimes you sit there for a long time because you can, you're only legally allowed to enter the addresses that they have on file with you and sign oh. the contract with those addresses. So if you know they're not at that ad- address, you can't go in and get them unless you know for sure that they're in there. So sometimes it takes a long time, like sitting outside of the house and just waiting. So that patience role kind of comes into play along with whitetail hunting. So. so you're sitting in the vehicle watching the house. How long does it typically take for you to figure out where they are and then how do you get them out of the house? Usually it's an all-day event. So usually, I mean, if you see them peek through a window and you know for a fact it's a fact it's them. So you've bonded them out before. You've seen their face. You have their picture. You took the picture when they got out of jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, legally allowed to, you li- you're legally allowed to enter the premises if you see them in there. Or usually they come out and start walking around or get into a car and usually you get them in. So. But the, the average time, and it's... Sometimes it takes all day just sitting outside of the house. Sometimes it takes 30 minutes. Sometimes it takes all day. I mean, it kind of just depends. It's a crap shoot. And what's their reaction? Like, how do you come up and I'm sure they they recognize you. Like, yeah, Yeah. Nick, hey, what's up, man? Uh, They always give you a line. Oh, I promised I was going to turn myself in. I'll turn myself in today. Yeah, (laughs) sure you were, man. (laughs) Sure you were going to. What? But that's 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 probably nine out of ten times. It's oh, I was going to turn myself in today. I promise, I wasn't trying to screw you over. Yeah. <laughs> so, what kind of criminals are you typically dealing with? Are we talking like, you know, hardened? Like, you're not talking like killers. You're talking probably like armed robbery or breaking and entry. No. Like, yeah, it's a lot of like jaywalkers. Theft, a lot of a lot of drugs. A lot of just 
sometimes it's like repeat offenders just doing petty stuff and not going to jail for it. Like driving while suspended, a lot of that kind of stuff. It's a lot of theft, a lot of theft. Mm. And But, I mean, I'm in Columbia, so, I mean, murder is kind of few and far between. So. Well, I find That's it good. fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to do it, but I find it fascinating. Do, do things ever get yeah. physical? Oh, yeah. Yeah, people always try to – I probably – over half the time they try to run, usually got to chase them. So it's it's not that part of it's not too fun because I've, it, I mean, I'm 25. I'm starting to get some wear on me, and I don't really want to run after anyone. <laughs> I got a question about this. So what kind of yeah. shoes do you wear? <laughs> like, are you like, I got my runners on today. Are yeah. you wearing like shit kicking boots? <laughs> That's... Dude, I, I go out there and I just regular tennis shoes. I don't even wear running shoes. Hmm. So I mean, and and usually. I mean, most of them aren't too hard to catch. Like, like I said, a lot of them are doing a lot of dope, so they, they don't run too far. <laughs> I would pay to see that. <laughs> the method yeah, trying to run. Can you wear a, a, a point-of-view camera next time you do one of these? Hey. <laughs> yeah, I thought about doing that, so I, I might start doing that. Because it'd be fun to watch them back. It'd be like a... explaining explain some of these people it's just like oh yeah it sounds cool but it's a lot of those times it's like mm. it's one of those you had to be there type of thing i would think that'd be a pretty fun youtube channel like, oh yeah I, you know blur out the face or whatever you got to do for yeah for you know legality's sake but like yeah. you got a real cops channel <laughs> like, yeah. I would, yeah. I, that would be interesting one one of yeah, my buddies one of my buddies is a bounty hunter and he hates dog the bounty hunter because he's like, it never goes down like that. You're never having a heart to heart. Like these guys are trying to cut you or run back into their house or shoot at you or like it's, it never goes down like it does on TV. No, it, it never does. It's a, it's a lot. TV makes it look a lot more like heartfelt, like you're trying to help them out. But these people that you're going after, are like actively trying to screw you out of like say 10 grand. It's just like, I'm not when I finally catch up to him, I'm not feeling like a heart to heart really. So, <laughs> by the way, I make that much in a year, so that's not that big of a deal for me. <laughs> All right, so so let's jump into the reason that you're on the podcast. You're listening because I assume you're a whitetail hunter, right? I see one over your shoulder there in the room. Uh, what you know, when when did you get into hunting? So, I started hunting probably when I was like 12 or probably around 12 with my dad. And that was just rifle hunting. And then uh, I went to the army after I graduated high school and I never bow hunted before. I got out of the, I got out of the army. I'm really good with my buddy Landon and his dad, Russ. And his dad, Russ, does a lot of crossbow hunting, but Landon does a lot of bow hunting. And he really got me into it after I got out and kind of set my sights in on bow hunting. And ever since that I started bow hunting, I loved it. And you know, it's a lot different than going out with a rifle in a lot of different aspects. It's, it kind of makes it a little bit more challenging. The aspect. Oh, yeah. It kind of levels the playing field a little bit, and I, I really enjoy that. So. so do you hunt primarily on uh, permission land, private land, public land? Yes. What's? Yeah, so uh, my girlfriend that I've dated for the last two years, uh, her grandparents actually have a farm down in Callaway County. It's a 300-acre cattle farm, and I've hunted that. for. This will be my third year hunting that. Sounds like wife material to me. <laughs> Keeper. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, yeah no. It, it's, I'm pretty fortunate. The white the whitetail herd out there is super healthy. and uh, 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great place to be. So, so what was the moment when you were like, okay, bow hunting is my thing. What was there? Was there a particular thing that happened that turned that, that trigger? Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it was just kind of getting started out shooting a bow. Like I, I never, I mean, I picked up a bow before and kind of dabbled in it when I was younger, but I never actually committed to bow hunting. And like, after I started shooting the bow and after like, I seen everything that get, went into it, like mm -hmm. I was like, I'm like, I really like this. Like this, this is like a lot more fun, I guess, than going out with a gun because the gun is quick and easy. I mean, but a bow kind of, it's, it's a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I like that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're a, a method person. Like the process is important. Your method sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> you're the method bounty yeah. hunter. <laughs> it's Nick Danner. <laughs> well, um, the actual like build up is is it's important for me, and I, I like the actual hunt itself. So yeah. yeah, good the process. Well, Nick, do you have some questions for us that we can help you with? <laughs> yeah, so I actually have one for me. Or like one to for, to help me out and then one to just figure out with you guys. But okay. so cell cams have changed the game. Like cell cams, like they you send them right to your phone at any time. The problem I'm having with my farm in Callaway County, the farm that I hunt there, is there's zero service anywhere. So how often do you think I need to be in there checking cars and not have to worry about that intrusion factor? kind of depends on where that camera is located if it's a perimeter location or if it's getting closer to bedding and back in the timber where where is it so i have one on a field edge that's probably a hundred probably a little over 100 yards away from where i know some are bedding at mm -hmm. and then one is on an island of timber and then another one is on a field edge hmm. i mean you know i i know tim you still use mostly you know, regular session or regular cameras. You just picked up a couple of new cell cameras. I mean, I had used regular cameras for the first six, seven years on the lease that I was hunting. And I would not go in often just based on that's kind of the way Mark and Terry always, that's kind of the, I was indoctrinated in that, that method. Mm -hmm. So I try not to go in often. And honestly, it wasn't, it's not like I was at the property often. And I'm sure, I mean, if you're in Columbia and you're hunting Callaway, you're not that far away from it. So if you really wanted to, you could pop in and pop out pretty easily. But I mean, I think part of it is understanding when, like historically, when your deer kind of move, you know, so mm -hmm. like you got those three camera setups, it's like, all right, this one, I know I don't need to check until, you know, if it's in the timber, like, I don't really need to know what's going on here until closer to say, you know, mid to late October, mm -hmm. but the one on the field edge, if I'm hunting a food plot, like I kind of want to know what's going on there a little more often, try to get in there with, um, sometimes if you can, like I would drive my truck straight to the spot or drive, sure. you know, these e-bikes or bicycles or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you can get to it with low intrusion. Unicycle. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to see that. And so then in that instance, it's like, I would check those a little bit more often, mm -hmm. which I think was the point you were getting at. It's like, yeah, if it's on the perimeter, it's probably doesn't hurt it to check the law often, but when I did, I try to make sure the wind was right, blowing in my face, and I was trying to make sure yeah. that I was, you know, I, I always remember Jared and Mark talking about this being as hunting proof as I can. So my hunting boots are on. I'd spray a little nose jammer on the bo bottoms mm -hmm. of them. I'm trying to. Hell, we did that the other day, setting cameras. Yeah, you know, just trying to make sure that we weren't leaving much of a, a trail you know, behind. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just did some checking on Saturday and I waited till around noon 
to go out because, uh, you know, I figured that they'd be in their beds and I'd do as, as, li as little intrusion as possible. So try to time it right. And, uh, and then the other thing you can do, Nick, is, is if, if you know you've got your cameras in kind of a touchy area, maybe wait to check it until you go into hunt. Like go into, I'm going to hunt that stand. So I know I'm going to be in there regardless. The wind is right. So I'll grab the card on my way in then sit there in the stand and hunt it and check as you're, as you're going and Cer you'll know. Certainly when you get into like mid to late October, that's check it on your way in, mm -hmm. you know, check it, you know, late October, early November, you're checking your cameras to and from. It doesn't gr give you great Intel leading into the hunt, but I mean, if you more or less know what's in your area, and you kind of feel like you have a general pattern on them. I, you know, it's always great to think these cell cameras are great to know, Hey, he moved last night. Well, what am I doing with that Intel? That doesn't help me today. Right. In, yeah. in most instances, if he was moving during daylight hours yesterday, maybe that helps me. It's like, all mm -hmm. right, I'm going to, I got the same one. I'm going to go in there. He's kind of on a pattern going to kind of, so, so yes, there's tons of advantages to the cell camera, but I mean, really, if you're, if you're, I mean, there's been years where most people were hunting without them and, and having great success. It's just you might yeah. be scouting for the next year as much as you are for this year, I guess is my point. ABS, mm -hmm. always be scouting. Mm. ABF, just, always be farting. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. Am our, I right? Some, oh, of, our, some of our guys live by that. <laughs> Makes scent control really tough, but. You asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as with most answers in real life, there's uh, there's a lot of complexities to it. So that that's our best. So, so what's your next question? Okay, so this one is for you guys, kind of more personally. So a lot of us has a lot of us have had a lot of fails during a lot of hunts. So, what do you think your guys, each of your guys' biggest fail has been during a hunt? There's so many. I can name one. Yeah, why don't you go? I this was early on hunting with uh, with dad. This is after I came back from college and and really just picked up hunting again. Mm -hmm. There was a, a period there where I wasn't at all, and so we're bow hunting, and uh, I got two, two fails. And this I think this goes to you got to get you got to put a lot of hunting under your belt to know the things that can happen to you. And especially when you're archery hunting. So the first one, dad was filming me. We were out specifically trying to kill a couple does and I killed the first one went well. Another doe comes out, you know, a little bit later mm -hmm. and we're still in the tree stand and he's like, go ahead and let's shoot this one. And I spined her. And then, so I had already used one arrow and then I spined her with the second arrow the, the second deer I spined with my, sure. you know, with the second arrow, I'm running out of arrows. So I, you know, the first thing, obviously he's like, Hey, you need to try to hit her again and let's, mm -hmm. you know, let's take, take care of her here. And so she's, when they're spined, you know, as, as you know, they're, she's kind of moving her around the back it's legs. It's not or pleasant. Like, it's not pleasant at all. So I aim and I shoot and she had moved right as I shot and hit a bad shot and before I know it I'm out of arrows mm. and it was a very unsettling experience I was probably 23 maybe I yeah. mean it was like god dang I felt horrible and uh so then we had to get down and actually um take care of the deer by mm. you know using a knife which was also yeah. very unpleasant so that made me really think hard and long about a shot taking a shot and having settled in and and making sure I was 
doing the right thing. Makes you commit to it. Saying yeah. that, I then a couple years later, there's a buck I was after at Ed Dad's, and we knew who he was, old deer, going there, and I was in a box blind, one of these homemade ones that they had on the farm, mm-hmm. and I shoot, and this box blind, I wasn't. Uh, what I didn't know, the windows at that time were too high up. So my clearance was, I didn't have the clearance. I nicked the top of the window, you know, the bottom, the top of the bottom windowsill. Mm -hmm. I nicked and it sent the arrow, you know, off into the ether. (laughs) And (laughs) me being young enough, I thought the deer ran and he, I ranged him and he was at, I don't know, 40 something yards. And Mm -hmm. I thought I could take that shot. And I followed up and I made a poor shot. And those two, those two, those are two times where I made bad shots. And those are the two things that have stuck with me mm, in yeah. archery hunting and I'm 41 now. And those, those were both in my early to mid twenties and yeah. those things have stuck with me ever since. And so when a deer is at 40 and I think, eh, can I take that shot? I'm like, well, you know what? I'm probably not good enough to take that mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I think a mark of maturity. <laughs> so, uh, that, that has, those were two big fails for, for me. sure. So, um, I, I'd set up on a, a, a little pinch point and, um, it was during bow season and I had a really nice buck come through and I took the shot. It was like a 20 yard shot. <clears throat> I hit him a little farther forward than I wanted to. And so it hit, like it was a loud crack. Like I hit that front leg bone and, but I, but my, I, I saw like, it looked like I got enough penetration to at least touch the heart and, uh, and and the major the major issue here was I just didn't wait long enough. I maybe waited a half hour, got down out of the stand and started approaching where I saw the buck go down back in some brushes, uh, in some brush, and he just got up and tore off back into the timber. And I was left standing there like, oh my gosh, what just what just happened? I couldn't find like there was blood in his bed, but I couldn't find a blood trail. I ended up never finding that deer. And so the two things that stuck with me out of that were. It's really hard to wait too long on a deer, uh, and this is this is probably ten plus years ago. Um, uh, but the other thing is, I I am so it stuck in my head that I hit that leg bone, and so I always find myself cheating a little farther back off that because I just don't want to hit that. I'd rather I'd rather hit a little farther back than hit the leg and just have no penetration into the vitals. And if you look at the anatomy, like say you go on a deer cast track and you look at that anatomy of the, where that bone is, I mean, there is a good spot behind it. I think that's the misnomer of what the shoulder is because it mm-hmm. actually curves it's like, like a, a triangle. shape. Yeah, yeah, B or mm-hmm. whatever. And um, so, so that is, you, you had to have been a little bit forward but mm-hmm. so so my point is it doesn't take much to come off of that to come back just a little bit and yeah you know double lung yep. shot yeah so, but that's one of those lessons you only learn when you do it mm-hmm. right yeah and it is always it's always in my mind i've never shot a deer forward now come to think of it i've never shot a deer forward since that point i've shot some a little farther back than i wanted to but but these things just they remain with you they kind of color who you are as a bow hunter yeah so yeah great questions nick how nick, about you <laughs> Any regrets? Uh, yeah, I was, I was just about to say something. Mine's a lot of, super similar to Tim's. So it was like, uh, it was my actually first bow kill on, on a deer. And uh, it was my first year hunting that farm that I was talking to you guys about. And I actually I got it on video. My girlfriend was with me and she videoed it. And uh, I was using an expandable broadhead. And, you know, that argument's been really big here recently. Mm. And uh, 
it really came down that I had bad shot placement. I shot too far forward and I hit that bone and almost ricocheted off that bone and actually went in front of that scalpula a little bit. And luckily I didn't know it at the time, but luckily it had clicked, clipped one single lung and uh, he ran off. He threw the arrow probably about after 20 yards. I only got like five or six inches of penetration on it. And I had good blood starting out and uh, it was an evening hunt and was tracking the blood, tracking the blood. I probably had good blood for about 60 or 70 yards, and it almost completely seemed like it vanished. So I went ahead and backed out, waited till the next day, called my buddy out, and uh, we ended up finding him in a creek bed about 300 yards from where I shot him. And uh, coyotes had already got to him. Uh, sucks. Pretty rough by them, but it's super similar to that. And it's just like, it's just too far forward shots, you know, mm-hmm. regardless, expandable or fixed, you know, too far forward. It's, it's not usually a good thing. Yeah, everybody likes to bust on expandables for that shot in general, but <clears throat> I don't know. We've, as a team, have killed thousands of deer with expandable broadheads, and more times than not, they've saved our butt than they mm-hmm. they've caused us, you know, a, a you know recovery of a deer. Right. So I don't know. Like you said, I think that the big thing is there's a lot of deer there. <laughs> if you back off the shoulder just a couple inches, yeah. you know, yeah. so there's a lot of target there. There's so. a lot of deer there. Nick, I got a question for you. Do you remember what your answer was to the questionnaire and uh, the questionnaire question? What's your favorite thing about the show? Well, yeah, I said when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nick the dick. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why this episode will never air. We just jacked you around and uh, ate up 30 minutes of your <laughs> Tim, time. easy. hey <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so any, anything else for us, Nick, before we jump off, buddy? You know what? I think that's pretty much it, man. I, I had a great time. This was a super cool experience, and I appreciate you guys getting me on here and getting to talk with you. You better stay safe out there. We got deer season upon us here. We can't be getting injured, yep. chasing down some meth head. <laughs> so yep, be exactly. careful everything ready to go so yeah. hey next time turn on the camera and go ahead and send send that footage in of you busting somebody i'd like to see it all right yeah i'm getting ready to actually go on one possibly today so you know i can i can figure something out and send one into you guys <laughs> busting makes me although, feel good although tim shut up <laughs> uh although i would imagine that if it's a criminal a camera in their face is only going to make them more agitated. I love that stuff. So you better be careful. They're uh, usually already pretty angry as it is. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. All right. Well, All be right. careful out there. Good luck this season. Keep in touch with us and let us know, uh, let us know how you do in Callaway. I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. All right. Thank you. All right. And if folks want to be a part of the show, just click the hyperlink in the show notes. It'll take you to the audition page, uh, answer some questions, and submit a 30-second audition video and we'll check it out all right they've been they've been fun so far yeah enjoy yeah we got good we got good guests all right well until next time we appreciate all you listeners all you viewers deer season's here be careful out there until next time peace out see ya DeerCast is now supercharged with maps. Get ahead of your game with killer new features like live Doppler radar, wind check out to five days, virtual rain gauges, GPS path tracking, and more. Plus, get our 14-day revolutionary DeerCast prediction and access to DeerCast track. Prep, predict, and pursue with DeerCast. DeerCast.